Welcome to Two Girls in a Grape, where we attempt to learn about wine one bottle at a time. I'm Drea, and while I was never going to be a scientist, I do like the science of wine. <laughs> and I'm Jules, and I'm the gal who dropped a math class in college because it required the purchase of a TI-82 calculator. So we are perfectly suited together then. Yes. Great. It's a true story. Neither one of us can do math. Yeah, I was literally standing in the bookstore staring at this calculator, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, no, that's not happening. Do you know what I took as a bio <laughs> requirement? Marine mammals for non-majors. Oh, I like that. Of course. <laughs> fucking Berkeley has marine mammals for non-majors. Oh, God. Anyway. Don't hate. <laughs> All right. So before we get into it and kick off our second episode in our back-to-school series where we focus on Jules' alma mater, uh, let's kick it off with our reoccurring segment, Cheers and Jeers. So, Jules, what are you cheersing and jeersing this episode? I am cheersing to family visits. My sister, brother-in-law, and 18-year-old nephew literally just left a couple of hours ago. Just dropped them off at the airport. So we had a super fun five days that I am struggling to recover from. You look great. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. I really don't, guys. <laughs> Good thing we're not uh, on TV. TV <laughs> YouTube today. channel coming yes. soon. Yes. <laughs> and what are, what are you jeersing? Literally jeersing hangovers refer to the cheers. <laughs> I, got, I got here for a recording session and I was like, Jules, what are we drinking to pregame? And she was like, I can't. I, I simply cannot. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Dre, I was like, we're going to need to pregame today. And I literally looked at her and I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. it. It was it was a look filled filled of a mixture of dread and hatred. <laughs> like, like how dare you even suggest this to me right now? So, dear listener, I am sitting here with Urs. We have two. Ur, we have oh, we do. We, we have, have Lauren. Multiple. We have Michelle, and we have Rob and Rose, Rose and, and Andy. Andy. John sometimes. sometimes. <laughs> so I am sitting here with two full well two glasses of water. A pumplemousse la croix and a little glass of wine. We'll see. It's Hopefully, I get my second wind. Unclear why she has two glasses of water. We'll it's, address it, that later. It's it's hangover brain. Anyway, Drea, what are you choosing to? Uh, so my cheers are a little bit more. Up, my cheers and jeers are a little bit more upbeat. I think. So cheers to the return of football. I know that it's just preseason, and preseason games are lame, and the NFL is a neocolonial institution. I there know, I know, I know, but I really can't help myself. I just she love does it. love I her just football. Love me a sport. What about your jeers? My jeers. This is my final week of teaching for the rest of the year, and while that sounds great, I really just need to get through it. I really just need to get through it. And if one so more... I feel like that's kind of a cheers. No, because... Maybe the cheers is when it's over. Yes, because okay. if one more student asks me for an extension, I don't know if I'm going to kill them. I don't know if I'm going to kill myself. Like, I just... She done. <laughs> she done. Her head is exploding. So, yeah. Next cheers and jeers, though, we're going to need to celebrate and need to drink. So you need to get your act together. I, I'm going to try. <laughs> That is our cheers and jeers for this segment, everyone. Welcome to our favorite segment, Shawinigans. Shawinigans. And in honor of our college special, we are doing a little getting to know you college edition. So last episode was my turn, but Jules, girl, you up? You ready? You ready for this? I'm kind of ready, and I think we all probably know that I'm not going to be as positive as Drea was about her. Oh my God, stuff. come on! But there anyway. had to be some good stuff. There had to be some good. Stuff. I did meet my husband there, so good stuff. See? Oh, maybe I just foreshadowed something. I don't know. What are the dun, questions? Dun, okay, dun, hit dun, me. Dun. Hit me. <laughs> all right. So, first off, where did you go to school? I went to school at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Yes, I went to school in a place that is in Champaign. Foreshadowing. I mean, Champagne. <laughs> hello. And cool. why did you pick that particular school? 
I didn't actually pick it. Uh, do tell. I was kind of forced to go there. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. It's kind of not a great story, but Aww. it's one of the schools that I got into. It's an excellent school. It just was not the school for me. And for various reasons, it's just where I was told I had to go. All right. Well, so that's we'll, how I ended up there. Cool. We'll save that story for our parents' episode. Oh, <laughs> no. We're going to need therapy for that, people. Mm, well, we're already there. All yeah. right. Okay. So, but you still went. Mm-hmm. You still went. You met your husband. You got a degree. So, what did you study? I actually got two degrees. Look at you. Yep. Overachiever. I got, I got two degrees because I couldn't double major in what I was what the two sort of like areas that I was in. So I had to actually get two separate degrees. Oh, were they like in two separate colleges? Yeah. So I got a Spanish degree. Okay. And I got an, uh, an advertising degree. Oh, so like business, liberal arts yes. type thing. Okay. Yeah. And because the school was an asshole, basically. So I studied abroad my sophomore year. I went to Spain, studied abroad for six months. Olé. And so by the time I came back, when I started looking at my credits, I was like, I only have, like, two more classes to take to get a degree in Spanish. So why don't I just do that in addition to my advertising stuff? And because I had to do two degrees instead of two majors, I also had to basically do, like, another year's worth of credits. Are you fucking kidding me? No. Like, GEs? All your credits, like, the number of hours I had to do, basically it was another whole two semesters worth of credits. And I petitioned the school to basically not have me do that because I literally was taking sh- just bullshit classes to fill the credits because right. I actually had fulfilled all the actual requirements for the degrees. But I just needed all these hours. So, of course, the school gets paid mm-hmm. for all those credits. So, Jules here took 21 hours her senior year, both semesters, while everyone else was oh. coasting with, like, 14, 15 hours, depending on the classes, I was jamming it out 21 hours, and I did the first section of summer school, and I was done. So I got oh, that one extra year God. done in my senior year. Oh, yep. that's awful. I mean, so that's what I said. I had to take, like, I had to take class, classes to be able to stay for my fourth year as a double major, mm-hmm. but that just sounds like fucking torture. Like, I used to complain about that. I'm going to shut my whore yeah. mouth. You should all see the look she's giving me right now. It's amazing. And you know, I did not want to stay another year because my friends had all graduated a year ahead of me or with me. Uh, oh, so we were... And I already didn't want to be there. Right. I really hated being there. I was like, I'm not staying for a fifth year to do this. <laughs> but I was, I was fucking, like, adamant about getting those two degrees. And on top of that, I did have to petition to even do 21 hours. It, that maximum oh, was right, 18 because, hours. Yep. Yeah. So I had to petition the school to take the 21 hours in those two semesters. Oh, God. Next question. All right. That's a little bit of a nightmare. I'm sorry. Um, all right. So we talked about what you studied. Okay. So through all that, what was the best class you ever took? Okay. So through all that, and because I had to take all these bullshit hours. Let's, let's keep it positive. No, let's keep this it- is positive. <laughs> but part of the bullshit hours, I got to take some random stuff. I took an ice skating class. The fuck? I learned how to do <laughs> jumps, skate backwards on one foot, like do all the things. Like okay, it was a proper. I, Tanya over here. Yes. <laughs> it was a, it was a figure skating class, not just a, how do you ice skate? It was how to do tricks. Remember, I, had a, I had a friend in school who, um, like, so when I was finishing up my, my undergrad, he was at the law school at Berkeley Bolt Hall. And he was trying to exercise more. So he was like, I know, I'll take a PE class because then I have to go because it'll impact my GPA. And fucking at the end of every semester, he's over there with his petition to like late withdraw because he has not gone oh, to his goddamn no. AM swimming class. He would have gone to ice skating. It was great. <laughs> All right. So ice skating. Nice. Um, what was the worst class you ever took? There were so many. <laughs> you can there only so I, I feel like I've already heard about several but you can only pick one 
I feel like the class that I struggled with the most was microeconomics. Yeah, that sounds horrible. And I just, you know, the way that it was taught, it was this massive lecture hall with hundreds of people. Mm. And it's a topic that they just don't make. Like nowadays, I think, oh, I understand economic principles because I can apply them to my life. But back then, the way that everything was introduced was just so, they didn't apply it to what does this mean in your real world? Mm-hmm. So I fucking hated that class. And I, I was that person that I would sometimes skip the lecture because I hated it. And he would do the random attendance thing. Oh, in a class of 300 people in an auditorium, you would have to sign, you had to sit like in a certain section with your TA and you'd have to sign the piece of paper and like, what a monster who yeah. does that. And so I missed that a couple of times, but then I talked to my TA TA at the end of the semester when I realized that that was affecting my grade. It was like from a B minus to like a C. I was like, I was there because I would go to all the TA sessions. <laughs> so so I'm she is... knew that I was always at the TA sessions and that I mostly went to class. And so she was like, I'll buy it. So you were a very effective liar. Yes. I mean. <laughs> I'm a very good petitioner. I mean, I feel like those are skills that if you do college right, you learn really quickly. It, this is part of life, right? Yeah. you got to learn how to persuade and negotiate. Our next podcast, Life Skills with <laughs> no, Jules and Drea. not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So when you were not, let's talk about when you were not in class. Uh, did you have a job in college? And what, I did. I had a couple it? jobs in college. I We were both multi-jobbers. Yeah, I worked at a coffee shop, and it was Love called that. the International House, of course. Oh, my God, we had an International House at Berkeley. But I showed up to work one day, and there was just a note on the door that just said they were closed. Did you close the International and House? And I called the owner, and he literally said... Oh, we're done with that. I'm sorry? Yeah, we're just, we're done with that. Like, they just closed the business and didn't give us any warning. Any, I mean, how illegal, like, employment practices is that? Also, the fuck? Who does <laughs> And, you know, your girl had to chase down her last paycheck. But I got that last paycheck. I was going to say, but she chased it down. But I did get it. That's right. The other job I had was working at all, they, there were multiple different athletic facilities like the gym that like yeah. students could work out and like where the, they play the basketball games, whatever. Despite how uncoordinated so I, I am, I know where the athletic facilities are. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do love the NFL, so it's there's true. that. It's true. Uh, so I worked, uh, you know, checking people in. I we, we took shifts. Like you would sit at the desk, check people in. Then you'd be the person that actually walked around and checked all the different sort of like areas and signed the little board like for the cleanliness and all that stuff. That was an awesome job because you could, like, do your homework while you're sitting at the desk. It's basically, like, the sports version of the library. Yeah. Yeah. It was for cool. sure. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So, um, let's let's kind of move into some of our pairing-esque questions. Okay. What was your favorite meal in college? Oh, favorite meal. I'm, I'm kind of a picky eater. Really? It's not that I'm picky. It's a, I don't eat cheese right so that's right. kind of a big thing it's you also in a lot don't of stuff. eat garbage i don't eat garbage i don't eat fried foods a lot i don't eat a bunch of junk food so that was a little tricky like navigating dorm like cafeteria food because that's garbage because it's garbage and just a lot of it i was like well i don't eat well, that and we both went to essentially state schools yes and the food that they get is like approved for educational facilities and correctional facilities so there you go <laughs> it's true and back then, too, there was no, like, gluten-free, dairy-free. No, they ain't give none a of that fuck. Stuff, they right? ain't give a fuck. So I'm going to just bypass any kind of, like, cafeteria food and go with... So there was a place, there was a pizza place, and I can't remember the actual name of the pizza place, but they had what they call pokey sticks, and they were, like, the breadsticks that you get with the pizza. Ooh. And they were, like, garlicky, salty, delicious breadsticks, pokey sticks. I love oh, that. where is Rob when we need him? Text. I'm going to text Rob text, right now. Text him. Give me the next question while I'm figuring out the name of this pizza so place. So at Berkeley, we had, it was West Coast Pizza, and they were called Cheesy Sticks. But same concept. And you only ordered them, they were open till 2 a.m., and so you only ordered them when you were drunk. Sometimes, oh, 100%. Yeah, sometimes be- somewhere between 11 and 12 p.m., and they were rad. All right. Okay. So while we're waiting to hear back from Rob, um, what were you drinking with those pokey sticks? What prompted you to order them at midnight? 
What was your college drink of choice? Oh, girl, college drink of choice was shots of tequila, 100%. God damn! I... She's like, fuck your Cosmo. Oh. Fuck your Malibu rum and coke. Oh, no. None of that. damn. I was an efficient drinker. Like I was like, I... I am drinking to get drunk. I don't really drink beer. Although they had like dollar Corona nights at one of the bars, and I was I was into that, like have a couple Coronas, mm-hmm. fine, with a side of a shot of tequila. Chaser, yep, yep, yep. Cocktails in college, not that was not a thing. Like you, not even like a gin and tonic. That was not happening. And also just for financially being efficient, of like a shot of tequila is the best use of your money. So knowing you now, though, I am curious: Are you doing straight up shots of tequila? Or are you shots? Of, nope. Wow. Oh, no, girl, no. It oh, was, it was like Cuervo. Uh, what was it? Lick it, slam it, suck it. <laughs> there was salt and a lime involved all the time. And maybe someone's navel? No. Okay, well. Definitely was, not. All right, well. That came later that. when we were down in Mexico. Body <laughs> <laughs> shots did happen one time. Stay tuned for our next Mexico. <laughs> okay, the name of the pizza place is called Gumby's. Gumby? Wait. Gumby's Pizza. Like Gumby and Pokey? Oh my god! Probably. Wait. <laughs> Holy shit! Wait, this is barely hitting you. Fucking. Well, because I didn't grow up in the United States, so I didn't grow up watching that show. Oh, that's fair. But I feel like Gumby and Pokey is timeless, and I mean, I've seen not that in sh- Brazil. I've seen that shit in Spain. Now. I moved here in 1989. Here? No, it, I mean I know it's the United, to the United States. States. Okay. Well. Anywho, next. All right. Okay. Drink of choice. You're a booze hound. College meal, Pokestix. <laughs> um, what is the dumbest thing you did while in school? <laughs> I'm actually having a hard time with that. I don't really do a lot of dumb shit. Okay. F- funny, kind of dumb, definitely illegal. Demon. Streak the quad my senior year. With my now you husband. Did not. With my now husband, who was not my husband, I had a fiance at the time who was not my husband. And I streaked the quad with my now husband while Wait. my fiance held my clothes. Oh, you and Rob were destined to be. Mm-hmm. And we held hands while we ran. Wait. So, okay, everyone. We've, we've got some stuff in the works featuring our, our significant others. Mm-hmm. And Rob has been lamenting the fact that he does not have a nickname. So, John... Hot Rob. Oh. His, his nickname is Hot Rob. I was going to call him The Flash. No, his nickname is Hot Rob. Oh, okay. Fuck We've me. We've got a couple girlfriends that call him The Hot Rob. Hot Rob? Hot Rob. Hot Rob. I like it. Yep. I like it. All right. I'm going to shut my warm mouth. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So, Hot Rob and you were streaking through campus. Yep. And which was definitely illegal. Really? Naked. <laughs> I running went to naked. Berkeley. I went to fucking Berkeley. There was a couple... Who, like, weren't even on campus. Drea. They just lived Illinois, in the middle of the cornfield. They would walk their pet pig completely fucking nude. But the pig... People... The pig... I don't need to say anything more about the differences between where Drea and I went to fucking college. The the pig wore clothes. The pig had outfits, but the people did not. They had, like, Tava sandals, and the pig was fully clothed. And I just remember standing in line at fucking Kingpin Donuts on Durant Avenue in Berkeley. That's nuts. Watching this That is nuts. And being like, hey, what's up? Oh, no. This was us <laughs> drunk at night, graduation weekend, just running naked. Love this. All yep. right. And, okay, I'm going to need you to dig deep for this one. Mm. What was your favorite thing about going to school where you did? When I graduated? Can I say that? <laughs> when I was done with it? You, you met your Okay, favorite? honestly, the the sweet answer that I should give everybody is I met my husband there. Stop! Don't say it like that for Rob. But here's Rob. the thing. Anybody that actually knows me, the people that listen to this podcast, if I said that for real, they'd be like, bull fucking shit. That is so not Jules. They'd be like, well, I met Rob there. I mean, That's it's true. awesome that I met Rob there. That is probably one of the only awesome things that happened but for me going to, to school there. But to be fair... You didn't get involved and connect until you had both left. Oh, no. Right, Rob yeah. and I were good friends. Right, exactly. So In college, yeah. But, it, okay, so when you Yeah, we didn't date in college, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. But you graduated, and it gave you 
let's say, an entry point to the next part of your life. Yes, which was far away in Philadelphia. I was like, I mean, the fuck out of here. And now look, here you are. And just here I am. Soaking up some sunshine. You, you, sunny San Diego. You can be San Diego. a delicate grape. In Illinois? No, here. Oh, God. Okay. Thank God. <laughs> I'll be a grape here. God. Well, <laughs> and everyone, that's our shawanigans. And scene. For this episode that is featuring a wine from Illinois, which I'm going to be completely transparent and honest here. When Dre and I were talking about doing this little series, I was like, well, yeah, you went to school in California. I went to school in Illinois. Like, this is bullshit. Like, we're never, we're just not going to find something that we're going to be able to feature on the podcast. And I say this, having had my rehearsal dinner for my wedding at a winery. In Illinois. In Illinois. No bueno. The wine was no bueno. The place was awesome. We had a great night, but the wine left a little bit to be desired. So I think that Drea really set herself up to to kind of like figure out this challenge that she set for herself, right? She threw down the hammer like, I will fucking find us a goddamn wine from Illinois now, she didn't actually say it had to be good, so, you know. Man, I feel like you were just laying the setup to hang me out to dry here. <laughs> no, I am I am setting it up to hang out, to hang Illinois wine out to dry. God. Let's be honest, <laughs> not you. This is your episode, bitch. Well, it was not my idea. I just want everyone to know, not my idea. This was Drea's idea. So, on this episode, we are featuring a wine from Illinois. It is from Wildwood Cellars, and Wildwood is W-Y-L-D-E, wood, not W-I-L-D, like wild, wild. I digress, I digress, sorry, Wildwood Cellars, non-vintage wine, this is not surprising to me, and it's a... Traminette, is that how we're saying? Traminette. This is the varietal, apparently. And it comes out of St. Joseph, Illinois, which I'm actually not even really sure where St. Joseph is. So I'm going to have to refer to a map, get my little geography lesson going here. Time for a quick Google. Quick Google check. Google Maps, please. Price point for this wine is $25. The ABV is 12%. And sort of the basic information around this wine and winery is that it is a family-owned winery and they focus on utilizing locally produced grapes and making fruit wines. Not sure that that bodes super well for us. It's super close to where you I went. knew that it was in the vicinity of um, Urbana-Champagne, but I just wasn't really sure. Or maybe I just sort of blocked all that shit out of my memory. Maybe you drank those... About my time there. About my time there. Uh, So, Dre is going to tell us a little bit more about this Traminette that we are going to drink today. So, I'm very excited to try this wine. Um, (laughs) One of us is. Full disclosure, (laughs) we have not tried it at all. We have not. Promise. Pinky swear, we have not had a sip. Getting this wine was quite the challenge. She basically I... had to fly to Illinois, get the <laughs> wine, bring it back in one of her wine skins. No, just practically. Kidding, like, practically. Finding a, a winery out there that was licensed and willing to ship out to California was quite the challenge. Uh, most of the wines that are grown out there are produced for local consumption and, frankly, for consumption really at the vineyards in their tasting rooms. So... Huge shout out to Tracy at Wildwood, who responded to my email, my multiple emails, um, hooked us up, and took a care of us. So thank you so much. And I I love this. I love that we're doing this. We all know I love to try crazy stuff. I'm super excited. I will try anything. I, I'm also really excited because not only did I find a wine that, one, we could get. We could get. Two. Shipped. Was... Close, very close to where you went to school. So same kind of vicinity. Yes. But three, this varietal, the Traminette, is so fucking cool. I am so into it. So Traminette is a hybrid white grape. 
that was originally bred at the University of Illinois in 1965. It is a result of cross of a cross between a Gewurztraminer. Gewurztraminer. Sure. <laughs> far away. I'm as far away from German as you can possibly get. And a Johannes Sayer 23.416, which was a... What the fuck is that? It's a particular grape that was created... We don't like math. Black. I know. I know. It's just a name. <laughs> Calm down over there. Um, it, it, it's a particular grape that was lab created by this um, agricultural biologist, whatever... Per- Person. Yeah. Trees and shrub guy. Whatever. Um did so, you say Trump guy? Trees and shrubs guy. No. Oh, trees and shrubs. God, you really are coming in hot today. And it retains some of um, the characteristics of its two famous parents. It tends to be floral, a little bit spicy, and can be made in both dry and off-dry styles. Uh, so I just think it's super cool that this was a grape that was invented there. I know... The University of Illinois is known for their agricultural programming, which is fantastic. Because you're literally sitting in the middle of a cornfield. Okay, you know what? Yeah. We have some in California, too, like Davis. It's okay. farmland out there. All right. Yep. Well, they're, you know what? They're utilizing the land to their advantage. I like it. So this variety was initially bred as a table grape, but it's high quality, see, Hope on the horizon, Julius. I'll be the judge of that. Saw it quickly find favor as a wine grape in the Northeast, and this includes Virginia, New York, and Indiana. <laughs> Stop it. So, Tramite vines are relatively hardy. They can really stand the cold weather in some of these northern climates, and it makes them suited to kind of the harsh winters that you see in the northern Midwest. I mean... They don't call it Chiberia for nothing. So Chiberia. these Chiberia, like Chicago, Chiberia. Wow, like that's... Siberia. They call it Chiberia in the winter because it's so fucking cold. So these grapes, I'm gonna give them props. I mean, <laughs> they if, they, it. if they can make it through a freaking Midwest winter, I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm here for these little grapes. I'm. I'm rooting for these grapes right now. Okay. All right. I am. I'm turning, I'm turning things around. We're turning things around. I'm turning. I'm trying not to be a just a bitter bitch. So <laughs> here is another nice thing about these grapes is they're super versatile in the types of wines that you can make. So they're they've been used to make dry, off dry, sweet, and sparkling wines. So they really, you know, I think because they're so hearty. They become a great candidate for all these different winemaking processes. And I think we've done everything on the show except a sweet wine. I don't think we've done a dessert wine yet. So that may be a future episode. Foreshadowing. Maybe. Don't make that face. They can't see it. Our, our four listeners can't see it. Don't make the face. She's making the face. You all know the face. <laughs> okay, so the land dedicated... Um, to uh, Traminette is on the rise as considered to be one of the higher quality hybrid grapes that are coming out of this region. And the other interesting thing is this is a grape, and I, I think this is also a first for us on the podcast. It is a grape that is only grown in the United States. So currently you can find it in vineyards in Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Virginia, and the Finger Lakes. All which I thought was known for being wine regions. The Finger Lakes is no... God, you're... You need a timeout. You need a timeout. We'll be right back, everybody. (laughs) Okay, we're back. Jules has a new attitude. Does she? But does she? I really hope she does because it is her time to share some fun facts. Fun facts with Jules. Uh, Have to give a shout out to Drea, though. She is the one that actually... Um, research the fun facts for this episode. Jules wanted nothing to do with this episode. <laughs> I I was I was busy entertaining my family, so things were a little hectic. So Drea really took kind of the the brunt of the work on this episode, as she actually usually does. I just like to bring the thunder when we record. So Illinois is very proud of their wine and has a couple of ways that they promote wine across the state. The first, of course, is the Illinois State Fair. Which Have you ever been? I have been to Illinois State Fair. Also, super aside fun fact, I worked as a carny one summer. What? Yep, I are sold there, tickets. 
Are there photos? No, but I didn't know that's what it was. It was a summer job in high school. And someone's like, oh, you were a carny. You and I was like, what the fuck is that? You didn't know you were going to be a carny? No, I didn't know that that was something called a carny. But anyway, so I was a carny. It's fine. Whatever. Hey, I had a fucking job in high school. I had to make some money. So um, so the Illinois State Fair does feature a wine pavilion with tasting opportunities. So if you're ever in the Midwest in the summer and you want to go to the Illinois State Fair and you're kind of a wino, might be something to check out. Also, there's an annual Chicago and Midwest wine show that first started in September of 2008. I have been to a wine festival just outside of Chicago, and it was awesome. I mean, Chicago's a massive city, so of course you're going to attract wineries from all over. So that's legit solid. Uh, Winemaking has become so prolific in Illinois that in 2016, Southern Illinois University, which I believe their mascot are the Salukis, Announced, I don't know. I think it's a dog. We need Rob. We need Rob to tell us what it is. Rob, Rob, call in. in. (laughs) (laughs) So Southern Illinois University announced plans to create a degree-granting program in fermentation sciences that includes winemaking. Do we have confirmation that they actually implemented this degree program? I don't know. Okay, we'll have to we'll have to circle back on that. Are the winery that we're featuring today, Wildwood Cellars, also produces a number of non-boozy products, including jellies, syrups, and fudge, which, to be honest, scares me a little bit that this wine is going to be super sweet. I feel like everything that I'm reading about them is like, sweet, 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 sugar, 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 sugar. How many wineries have you been to, though, that have, like... Not a lot. They have, like, olive oils, like, you know. Oh, see, down in, like, El Valle in Mexico, they've all got, like, jams and jellies and weird stuff. We'll see. But I'm, this is me thinking ahead. Oh, boy. Anywho, Wildwood Cellars also makes a non-alcoholic elderberry juice that is incredibly popular in the region. And little known fact about elderberry juice is that it is thought to be a natural option for the treatment of allergies, asthma, diabetes, constipation, and viral colds and flus, all of which are very, very abundant in the Midwest. (laughs) Wow. But we're not doctors and we don't suffer from any of that stuff, so we're not going to find out. Oh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm not that kind of doctor. Not that kind of doctor. She I, is. She actually is a fucking doctor, everyone. <laughs> I can't help you with your constipation or your German. But. She <laughs> is a doctor. You want to talk about colonialism, I got you covered. She's got you covered. <laughs> you want to talk about constipation, you go to the, the pharmacy. Uh, so, Drea, tell us a little bit more about the region that we are in, geographically speaking, with this wine. Okay, so Illinois has kind of an interesting setup that's a little bit different from what we've seen in previous American wines. The Illinois Grape Growers and Vintners Association divides Illinois wine country into four regions. The northern, the central, the south, and the southern. Why there are two <laughs> south? I have no idea. I'm just going to go with it. Um, I don't, I can't even answer that question for I, you. I have no clue. So the northern region features the largest number of vineyards. But the southern region is close behind and growing yearly. In 2006, Shawnee Hills in the southern region became the state's first recognized American Viticultural Area, or AVA. And we've definitely talked about that before on the show. Um, That was pre-Jules you talked about it, I think. Oh, was it? I don't think you and I have talked about an AVA. I think we talked about it when we did um, 16600 in Sonoma. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So... AVAs, again, are recognized agricultural areas for the purpose of wine growing grapes. And that means that they are regulated. So um, for the 16600 episode, for example, in Sonoma, we like that in order to use the location on the label, they have to be recognized by the AVA of Sonoma, which they are. So that, you know, it's it's a way to control quality, um, and it's also a way to really be able to promote these wines. Across the four regions, there are more than 100 winemakers and over a 1,000 acres of vineyards used specifically for wine production, which was really interesting to me. You know, you think of... Who'd have thunk it? 
Yeah, I mean, you think of the Midwest as a... Corn? No. I was going to say, as a harsh growing climate for this type of crop, i.e. a wine grape. Correct, but also there's a ton of corn in grain. I mean, in terms of, you know, what, what comes out of that region is mostly grain. Yeah. Yeah. So to, to learn that there were that many winemakers. Now, I want to be clear. Not all of them are attached to an AVA. Not all of them are highly regulated. So in some ways, do not hit me. I'm saying this to Jules. Do not hit me. <laughs> but in some ways, this is really similar to what we see down in like Valle de Guadalupe, right? Where there isn't a, an AVA or domain of origin. So there's no kind of government regulation in that way so you just have a lot of makers who are really able to experiment with their wines and one of the things that i noticed when i was researching a lot of these wineries and looking for a bottle that we could drink is a lot of stuff i see on list are really experimental they are either blends or they're made from these grapes that are you know created specifically to grow out in these climates or they're they're these fruit wines mm. So it's it's really interesting to see how the industry has adapted to make it work in this climate. I'm getting um, what's what was the winery in Schitt's Creek? You back to your timeout. <laughs> so while many might be surprised to find that Illinois even makes wine at all, I did know because again had my recept my. Rehearsal dinner at a winery. So I did know that they make wine. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. there's actually a long history of grape agriculture in the state. Hmm. Look at that. We've come to the history portion of our oh, podcast. Great. In fact, grapes have been growing in Illinois for over 150 years and began along the banks of the Mississippi in Nauvoo. No. It sounds like Nabu from Star Wars. But Your guess is good. I've okay. never even seen that. <laughs> so the, see old, that the oldest known wine grape planted in Illinois was the Concord grape. And uh, it was first planted in 1851 what is in near what is now the Nauvoo State Park. And that vineyard still produces fruit today, which I find fascinating. Baxter's Vineyards and Winery? Is that the one? I, yeah, yes, you're stealing my thunder. Oh, I'm sorry. God damn it. Is that like Baxter, like an anchorman, Baxter the dog? Oh, God. By 1880, there were over 600 acres of grapes and 40 wine cellars in and around Nauvoo, and the town became known for its wine. The oldest surviving family-owned vineyard in Illinois is also located in Nauvoo. Um, Neil Baxter came to Nauvoo in 1855 to join a, a carrion commune? Which oh, was Lord. this community based on a French utopian socialist movement, which I was like, this is kind of fun. Um, the Berkeley and me really like this. And so while the commune didn't last, shocking, I know, <laughs> uh, Baxter remained in the area and planted eight acres of vineyards. The Baxter family weathered the prohibition storm. And in 1936, the Baxter Family Winery became Illinois' first bonded winery. And it, yes, they are still there today. Uh, the area that is probably the most popular wine area in Illinois today is the Shawnee Hills region, which, as we just discussed, has the AVA designation. Um, it is also much more re- uh, it's a much more recently cultivated area. So winemaker Guy Rensgalia founded Alto Vineyards there in 1982 and planted new and unique varieties, including Chancellor and Vidal Blanc. Um, and uh, Rensgalia and two other growers founded the Shawnee Hills Wine Trail in the 1990s. Today, there are 11 wineries on the trail that you can visit, which, you know, Jules and I were texting back and forth and we're like, road trip! I mean, I think I was more excited. Except I was kidding. You were probably drunk. No, I was also kidding. <laughs> wow. Wow. Fine. Salty. Now, the elephant of the in the room is, of course, the weather. Chiberia. <laughs> the Illinois climate is very different from our mostly mild temperatures that we find here in California, um, which, you know, to be quite honest, has been the gold standard in American winemaking, right? Like California, especially Napa Sonoma, is sort of 
the penultimate in American winemaking. But of course, the landscape of viticulture in the U.S. has changed radically in the last 15, 10 years. Um, first, winemakers have been very careful in Illinois to pick grape varietals that can take extreme climates. So grapes that are thick skinned, that are resilient to these type of temperatures. Second, winemakers go to great lengths to protect their vines from frost in the winter, um, which is the real threat, right? Those hot temperatures, we see those in California too. The whole world's about to be on fire in a hot minute. So that's just something we're all having to contend with. And what it really does, the, the high temperatures tend to develop sugars earlier in the grapes and that just moves harvest up. So honestly, when it comes to the heat, the big threat with vines is labor shortages, being able to get labor in those hotter summer months um, so that the vines don't produce too much sugar. But in the Midwest, the frost is the real threat. So there are a couple methods that winemakers use. Um, one, which I just, I was like, wait, what? Is they spray the vines with water to, to create a protective coat of overnight, overnight ice, which is somehow effective, like despite how insane it sounds. Hmm. And then um, the other method is to tend controlled fires near the vines, which is a tactic borrowed from winemakers in northern France. So that's in the winter, they like they have you ever basically seen? create fires, like keep the vines warm. Yeah, have you huh. ever seen that movie? Um, from the 90s with Keanu Reeves, A Walk in the Clouds? I'm sure I did. Yeah, we're going to have to have a, a wine-themed movie night slash episode, possibly. Maybe. So that's one of the methods that they use is they they try to keep the frost down. And they like these fires. They're like these, they're like elevated fire basket things to kind of keep the, the ground down and the vines huh. warm. So it's like a heater, basically. Yeah. Like a propane heater. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Uh, let's see. So now that we know a little bit about winemaking in Illinois, uh, let's spotlight St. Joseph, where Wildwood Cellars is located. St. Joseph is located just 11 miles from the Urbana-Champaign area with easy access from Highway U.S. Route 150 or I-74. Very familiar with both of those roads. Yep. Hence one of the reasons I picked this wine. You're welcome, Jules. I love you. Mm. In the area, you will also find corn and soybean <laughs> fields. Stop laughing! Grain <laughs> elevators and and natural wetlands, which I also thought was really interesting. Hmm. Um, I, I'm wondering if that affects the soil in any way. I guess we'll figure it out when we taste these We'll wines. find out. From Mayor Tammy Ferlin Vogues, she writes on the website for St. Joseph. As you can see, St. Joseph is a great destination to visit for a day but I have to let you in on a little secret. The village of St. Joseph has the best small town living with big city access. By bordering the banks of the Salt Fork River in close proximity to the Homer Lake Forest Preserve, St. Joseph has the best of both worlds. I'm not sure what big city she's referencing here. Well, you know, big was, city access. When, when was the last time you went out there? I mean,. It's been some time, but that's, I mean, big city well, maybe is going to be. Okay. Maybe, you know, you don't know. You don't maybe. know. Okay. Maybe we should Google some photos or something. Maybe we should. <laughs> All right. So that's a little bit about St. Joseph. Let's talk about the winemaker and the winery itself. So Wildwood, as we mentioned, is family owned since 1995 and operates in both Kansas and Illinois. But we are drinking a wine that comes specifically from the Illinois location. Tracy Trother, the owner, was nice enough to answer some of our questions. Thank you so much, Tracy. And Tracy and her father are both known for making elderberry products. But Tracy grew up su surrounded by wine and agriculture in the area. And today, they are business partners. So her dad owns Wildwood Cellars in Wichita, Kansas, and Tracy owns and operates the Wildwood in Illinois. The Illinois location has been in business for 12 years and the Kansas location for 28 years. And fun fact, her sister-in-law is the lead winemaker at the Illinois location. So it really is a family affair. Their winemaking style is new world and Tracy describes it as fruit forward, smooth, 
and able to drink right after bottling, uh, which I think is part of its appeal too. So these wines are designed to be non-aging and for you to drink them young. Very similar to many of the natural wines we have featured on the podcast before. Their motto is, quote, we make wines that taste good, which means we make wine for the consumer who likes a good quality wine at a reasonable price. And I think we can all get behind those sentiments, especially since this is our college, part of our college series. And who doesn't, who doesn't like a good deal here? Uh, about this particular bottle, Tracy says that the Tremonet grape is a wonderful Midwestern grape. It's hearty, it's full of flavor, and has notes of grapefruit. So I think that that's kind of fun. We do, I do like a citrus forward white. Um, she said it's, it really is kind of a nice alternative to Pinot Grigio. And that's something in my research that I read that this grape kind of has those flavor profiles a little bit, but she said, if you pick it late, um, it tends to lose some of those qualities. So harvest time really does matter with this particular, particular grape and making sure that you're keeping an eye on the weathering patterns and the development of sugars in the wine. Um, in terms of their production style, all of their wines, they use uh, polyurethane food grade tanks instead of stainless steel, and they use French American oak chips instead of barrels. Um, and she says they're more cost effective and produce the same results. So I don't think we've had a wine on the podcast yet that uses chips. Yeah, that being uses the wood chips. Um, but it's kind of an interesting concept, right? Because you're really using the wood to to create some like notes of aging and mm-hmm. develop some flavors. And so, yeah, I'm in my brain. I'm like, why wouldn't that work? We gonna find out. We're gonna find out. All right, so. Coming up um, next. Let's get into it. Jules Andrea, drink this wine. Dun, dun, dun. So we have now come to the segment of our podcast where we actually get to crack open this bottle and taste the wine. Whee! It's been in the freezer. It's been. We the- really wanted it to be super chilled. Super chilled. We wanted to give it its proper dues and let's so we're gonna go through the same process that we always do jules and we're of gonna course start, we are god we're i'm not such s- an asshole jesus you know it's taking you a hot minute to warm up i'm just mm-hmm. i'm just surveying the situation okay. here okay. all right so we're gonna start with the color what do you see in your glass the color is beautiful it's very pretty it's uh like a You know how sometimes you have a white wine that looks yellow, like gold yellow, like bright yellow, and you're like, ooh, that's not going to be good. Right. This is the opposite of that. It's this, like, super mellow, a little cloudy, almost. A little hint of green, too. But I'm almost wondering if the cloudiness is just because we had it in the freezer, so it's super, super chilled. So the glass is obviously getting a little bit um, cloudy with that. Yeah, it's got, like, that fresh springy almost like a sauvignon blanc yes that color palette a good yeah. sauvignon blanc yeah a yep. good one for sure so that's the color that i'm seeing okay so let's give it a swirl give it a sniff okay what are you getting on the nose a lot of sugar for me this this smells very sweet i know that's not a proper uh descriptor but that's i'm the first thing i'm like oh this is gonna be a sweet wine so I'm going to recall what Tracy said mm-hmm. in her email to us about really developing fruit forward mm-hmm. wines. Yeah. And I definitely get that with this, with the nose on this one. So I am getting, in addition to the grapefruit that she mentioned, a little bit of like key lime. I'm not getting the Defin- grapefruit. Definitely peach, early summer peach. Pear, um, a little bit of lychee even, like a little bit of that tropical, like light tropical fruitness to it. I'm getting the floral. And the floral. Like jasmine, honey, honeysuckle. Honeysuckle, yeah. Honeysuckle, where it's like that kind of like that very, very sugary. Perfumed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Bouquet. I'm just saying. <laughs> Listen, everybody, this is what you get. 
You get an educated person and a not educated person. Our, we both went to college. <laughs> Calm down. All right. Some of us have PhDs and some of us don't. Oh my God. She didn't have a PhD when she was a garbage person at Berkeley. <laughs> I literally have a t shirt that says garbage bears on it. All right, let's taste this. I just did before you said that. Sorry. First impressions. Okay, disclaimer this is just not my kind of wine, generally speaking. First of all, white wine, I'm very particular about anyway. Fair. But sweet wines, I mean, the the ice wine, the Gewürztraminers, like, I'm not actually prone to liking those. So this is where I'm coming from. It's not my style of wine. But this is, I could have a half a glass of this in certain situations. Okay, yeah, so... It definitely, I want to remind our listeners, it is in an off-dry style. And so you're mm-hmm. going to get a little bit more of the residual sugar that you would see in a comparable Sauvignon Blanc, Pinot Grigio, things like that. Um, but there's also, I feel like you get more of the citrus notes on the palate. And there's a little bit, to me, of a almost salty like sea salt Mm -hmm. finish to it, which I think is really refreshing, makes it incredibly appropriate for the summer. It's like taffy. Like saltwater taffy? Yeah. Where you have like the sweet, but it has that little bit of brininess to it. Like a Sour Patch Kid? No. Like, (laughs) okay, so when you go to Lake Michigan, or... Cities along Lake Michigan, and you go to the beach towns. Girl, she California native. I know, I get that, but like you, saltwater taffy or like taffy. John loves is a taffy. huge thing that you buy in these like little touristy areas. So everybody, uh, my husband Rob is here. He's tasting the wine with us because what he, hot Rob in the house? He's an Illinois native, and he is nodding his head profusely at the fact that I'm talking about how taffy is a big deal. The other place that taffy is a big deal is places like Atlantic City, like mm-hmm. the Jersey Shore. Lots like, of like candy stores, so taffy I feel like stores, even that kind in of stuff. like co- certain coastal cities in California. Like I know there's a taffy place in Santa Cruz, for example. Yes. Um, there used to be a place at Pier 39 Fisherman's Wharf in San Francisco that sold a ton of candy. Taffy was a mainstay. I feel like even Seaport Village here in San Diego had a candy shop with taffy. So it's definitely like that old-timey... Taffy's like a touristy thing. But, it's, but this is ta- this is taffy in wine form. Too. But it's also... I, I think the thing I want to point out is taffy is a classic Americana thing. It's something that you associate with summers in the good old U.S. of A. Yes. And in the heartland, you know, things that Hence you Hence why would, it's... Put with baseball Popular and in apple the pie. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I do appreciate that salty finish to it. I think it gives it a lot more um, applicability to certain meals and pairings and things like that. So why don't we get into our pairings? Well, why don't we ask Rob what he thinks of this wine? Oh, hot Rob. What do you have to say? I'm not known for my tasting notes, but <laughs> when I heard pear, that's what I really felt that. I, I smelled it on the nose, and when I tasted it, that made a lot of sense to me. I also agree with taffy and then sea salt on the finish. I didn't come up with that on my own. Completely copied that <laughs> from Jules, as, as I'm often to do. But definitely taffy and um, Lake Michigan, all the areas that Drea mentioned, that checks out. So I want to point out that Hot Rob is one of our avid handful of listeners, and we love him for it. So thank you. He likes and he <laughs> likes to give him. us feedback. About he does. He does how like to improve to the feedback. podcast. So note, listener, Urs, <laughs> <laughs> we do take feedback. So if you ever have any notes for us on, you know, kind of how we can improve, we're always open to that. But anyway, let's move on to our pairings. Drea, why don't you start? So this is a wine that. I do think needs to be paired very specifically, carefully, you know, with with some intentionality behind it. And I would personally pair this with either a 
first, like, I would pair it as part of a meal. I have been, so I don't know if you actually know this, Jules and Hot Rob, but I am known for my themed dinner parties. I'm not surprised. I fucking love a commitment to a theme. Sounds right. Okay, we know, need to get an invite to one of these, yeah. Rob. Yeah. Well, I feel I don't know what we need to do to get an invite. So, COVID really threw this into well, there's a, that. Bit of yes. a, a bit of a quagmire, but she coming back, she coming back. And, you know, so for for example, for New Year's in the before times, i.e. pre-COVID, I used to do a Bubbles Around the World tasting for New Year's Eve. And so I would get all these different sparklings from various locations and do pairings and tastings. Um, I would love to include this wine as part of like an Americana tasting menu that I did for a dinner party. Mm-hmm. And I would feature it either with the first course or the dessert course. Mm-hmm. First course, I would love to do like a spicy ceviche. I think mm-hmm. that just love the, that. the hint of sweetness. Be a great contrast. Yeah, yeah. would lend itself so so well to that that spiciness and you know here in san diego being near the coast and so close to mexico like we love our fucking ceviche we love our chile so having that contrast i think would be delicious or alternatively i would love to serve it as um with a dessert course of cheeses a trio mm -hmm. of cheeses yeah and and cheeses that are i mean i'm talking like you know a rich creamy um funky as fuck like gorgonzola or my worst nightmare everyone uh (laughs) like a really hard nutty salty cheese um things of that like i wouldn't pair this with a soft cheese i would pair it with some really interesting very pungent cheeses and a I cheese think, that can like stand up yeah on its own. absolutely yeah. like it could stand up to this wine and this wine would complement it amazingly i How about you? absolutely agree with that and i i think this wine is, is is course specific for sure this is not a wine that i could just drink all night with with dinner or anything like this is a little bit too sweet for me and my palate but i think this would pair really well with salty meats so yeah. we, I know we we talk about charcuterie boards a lot, but like a really good, uh, like capicola or duck a, a, risotto, yeah, or like a a really amazing like homemade salami. Gaming, I yeah. think like a gaming charcuterie. You know, um, I had a like a venison salami recently, mm. or and a wild boar salami that yeah. my favorite maker of my favorite. Charcuterie and cheese shop, small goods up in La Jolla makes. Yeah. That's phenomenal. I think that would be amazing with this. Yeah, I think it's because then that that is sort of like smaller quantity type food. Like you're not eating a ton of it. Mm. So again, well, one glass of this and, a, you know, a small salad plate size sort of charcuterie type stuff would be good. Yeah, for sure. So what situation would you say? I know you, you're... You like to double up on your pairings, girl. So what situation are you serving this This in? is definitely summer. Something in the summer. Mm-hmm. To me, this is picnic-y. Mm. Like, just sitting on a picnic blanket. Again, kind of going back to, throwing it back to, like, the Midwest, Americana. Like, just sort of like that wholesome, a wholesome sort of activity. Right? A picnic in the park with your best friends. With some charcuterie or some spicy ceviche and just, you know, you have like one glass of this and then you have, maybe you start with some bubbles, then you have a glass of this and then you have like maybe a pinot or something, you know, like course it out that way. I I also think that in terms of situation, this would lend itself really well to a brunch wine. Like I could see a really savory like quiche and salad course Mm -hmm. with this. Um, you wouldn't want to do like necessarily a sweet brunch with it, but no, definitely you not. know, more of a savory brunch. Yes. So full disclosure, uh, Jules, Hot Rob, the Silver Fox, my husband, <laughs> my parents, Andy and Rose, some of our other avid listeners yes. and I <laughs> had an amazing brunch, like epic fucking brunch session not too long ago where we did like tamales and, uh, Mexi- I think they know about that. Yeah, Wasn't that the 
spritz oh that was a yeah, episode first where you episode. lost yeah yeah mm-hmm. i did lose wow wow okay i remember that too. so fucking nice to you liked my spritz hot I rob did. your segment is done <laughs> shut your mouth I did, I did like yours but i remember that i was in the minority he was, but that brunch was, was awesome but you know what he's endeared himself forever to me but i think that this would be like a good savory like if you're having a savory brunch like that kind of one a quiche too. with an arugula salad yeah yeah i yeah. Could, i could see that so maybe some, like, roasted yeah. radishes, you know. All right, entertainment. Oh, are you asking me? Yes. This is always the one I'm, like, really bad at, I feel. Um, you know what? I haven't said this since season one, so I'm going to fucking come back to it, and I'm not sorry. Just, like, some Harry Styles. Oh, yeah. yeah. Harry's house. Yeah, just some Harry's house. Harry's house. Just some, like, easy, fun, summer listening. You know, yeah. That's what I'm feeling. That's what I'm feeling on the stereo. I like it. I am going to go with, there's a, you know, I love my Spotify playlist. I, I do know. I think there's some really amazing ones out there. And there's one called Pool Party. And it's a really fun, upbeat playlist. And I would play this while drinking this. Yeah, definitely something upbeat, definitely something fun, mm-hmm. definitely something easy. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Right. Rob, do you have anything to add? Well, I was thinking, first of all, I, I don't have the fancy palette that you two do, nor do I cook or do really anything <laughs> in that direction. He's a great but, dishwasher, everyone. But Kills I, it. I, I cook, he cleans. I That's the thing. Clean a good dish. That makes a perfect marriage, let me tell you. I was... I was thinking salsa, chips and salsa. Oh. So food bowl. He's so basic, but fi- so right. He is. <laughs> that sound really good. Yeah. Our food bowl, a little, uh, a bodega. little bodega, yes, down the street from us has their own salsa and their own chips, and that's that's what came to mind when I. I feel like those it. chips and salsa are always in both of our homes too. Always. Any given time. Yeah. I just had some for lunch. Also, would this. Maybe go with a fighting Illini game. I was thinking that what I would be doing if I weren't sitting outside in our backyard would be watching an Illinois basketball and football. And um, do they happen to have a cheer? They do. I think Jules knows it. Can we can we do a combo here? I'll start it off, and you finish. Fine. <laughs> All right. This is so set up, everyone. It's a setup. Go. I L L. I N I. Very into it. She's so apparently, it. when you go to the University of Illinois, you learn how to spell Illini, and it's not Illini. That is a pet peeve of mine. It's not. It's not Illini. It's Illini. But I will say that. But it is colonial. <laughs> also, yes. Chief Illini Wack that would yeah. come out during the football games dressed in full on Native American gear, and it was all the so, white boy from the suburbs. That doesn't happen. <laughs> I do have to think. That's okay. It I doesn't do, happen, and that's okay. So, Rob is my sports buddy, <laughs> and we talk about this a lot, but I do have to disclose when Cal killed you in that Just football bowl game, <laughs> we destroyed you. I was, I was in the stands talking about some colonialism. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm sure our listeners, Urz. <laughs> plural. This will thanks, with thanks them. everyone for listening. <laughs> Drea, tell us, tell us, tell our listeners where they can buy this mm. delightful wine. So, Tracy from Wildwood Cellars. She's awesome, is Tracy. Your thank girl. you. Thank you so much for hooking us up. They ship across the country. And you can reach out to them at www.wildwoodsellers.com. And remember, that's W-Y-L-D-E woodsellers.com. They have a massive list of wines. Shit ton. So Mm. they have red. They have white. They have rosé. They have off. They have dry. They have off dry. They have sweet. They have dessert. They have fruit wines. They have elderberry Jams, jellies. They've got so (laughs) many things. So please... Check them out. Give them some love. They were amazing um, to us. So, however, do be prepared to pay for shipping. Yes. Yeah. You the will, shipping was a was a little bit on the pricey side. You so. will have to pay for shipping. Uh, if for those of you who ship wines or who you know have received bought wines from other places, like shipping is just 
expensive, right? So keep that, do keep that in mind, but they have a huge catalog and variety. Um, and for our next episode is our non vintage episode, actually. That's right. So we are going to round out our college art tour. Our college tour. Oh, I like that. I like that. Mm -hmm. And Jules and I are going to feature some of the crazy bullshit we drank in college. So get ready, everyone. It's going to be a (laughs) complete shit show. It is going to be a shit show. (laughs) So um, we would love to hear from you, though, about if you have had a wine from Illinois and what your experience was, or if you want to tell us what you drank in college, hit us up, slide into those DMs. You can find us on Instagram at two girls in a great pod. That's T W O girls in a great pod or our Gmail again, two girls in a great pod at gmail.com. And a special shout out to Rob, hot Hot Rob. Rob for joining us today for the last little part of our tasting. Thanks Rob. Thanks Rob. Thanks for having me. And until next time, Salud!